John chapter 1 and verse 43. Following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. Everybody say, Philip found Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. I love that. How many of you know there's some people that are just the curious sort? You're telling me about this Jesus of Nazareth, and he's from Nazareth? I've heard about Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? To which his buddy said, just come and check it out. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. With the help of the Lord today, I want to preach a simple message, and I have chosen to title it, The Unseen World. Would you say that with me? The unseen world. God, you've been so good to us to give us a mighty move of your spirit. So as we've already prayed, would you allow your word to find good ground? Let there be no distractions. Let there be nothing that would take the place of you speaking through this preached word. I'll give you all the glory and the praise. And I testify today that I need you today, Lord but you're going to help us, and I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What brought you here today? No, I'm not talking about the F-150 or the Honda, or the Subaru. Not talking about that. Think about all that had to happen to have us sitting here right now. I'll let that just marinate for a moment. In the drama of life, I have found that God is the director behind the scenes. And in any drama, the director has the full script. Sometimes if I'm in the drama, 
I play a part, and that part may seem segmented and difficult to understand until you put the whole thing together. And then when the whole thing is put together, I see how that segment interacts with the rest of the story. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, one of the wise writers said it like this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then he said, but don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Amen. Trust. Everybody say trust. trust. Boy, is that a big word. Boy, is that a necessary word when it comes to God. Trust that he's going to take care of us. Trust that he knows where we're at. Trust that he will not harm us if we come to him. Trust that I can bring my sordid past to him and he does not repel me, but rather he, he brings me close to him. He draws me close to him. Trust. It's so huge. It's so huge. I, I can very, very easily lean this morning on what makes sense to me. But I am rising in this pulpit this morning to declare that I need him in all of my journey. I need him so he can help make sense of Sunday, February 20th. 2022, but I also need him should he tarry his coming and I live till tomorrow. I'm going to need him tomorrow. I need him on the journey. And he said, if you will put that kind of trust in me, I will direct your path. Now, it exists as one of the hallmark passages of the New Testament. If you know me, you know this is one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. It's in the book of Acts, chapter number 9, where the Bible says a man by the name of Saul is on a road trip. And he has set his GPS to a city called Damascus. And on his journey, he has letters in his hands to persecute this new fledgling church these Christians, these Christ followers. And when you and I investigate who Saul was, he was not an irreligious man. He was actually a very religious man. But more than that, he was completely convinced that he was right. There was no wavering in that. It was not up for debate. In fact, in his hand was a letter to put these early Christians in prison, and if he can just get there, he's going to give it to them. And yet it was on his road trip. This wasn't in the plan. This wasn't in his to-do list for the day, but on his way. In fact, there are three words that jump off the page at me in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 3, where it simply says, as he journeyed. God got his attention as he journeyed. He thought he was right. He was convinced he was right. 
But God had a watershed moment in mind. God had a crossroads in mind. On his journey, as he journeyed, he collided with the true, eternal, living God. And I'm going to tell you, that is an unfair collision. Because when you and I collide with the, the eternal God, we are never left the same. When you and I come in contact with a God that shows us just in part His power, His glory, His might, and His ability, we will never, ever be the same. Oh, you're looking at a man that's glad Jesus did not leave me the way He found me. But He picked me up. Is there... Anybody in this house, that is your testimony. He picked me up. He did not leave me the way he found me. He bettered my life. He gave me what I could not get on my own. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and a great light shone down from heaven. So much so that it struck him off of his beast that he was riding on. And he finds himself in the hot sand. And as he looks and listens, a voice begins to speak to him. Now, you'll have to excuse me, but I've heard all my life in movies I've watched about Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As though Jesus talked in hallowed tone. I don't think he did. Can, can, I, can we just cut to the chase here, folks? How many people are you going to trust if every time you walk up to them, they say, how are you? <laughs> I think Jesus was like everybody, every other man. He didn't talk in hallowed tones. So I don't really know about the voice and the tone of voice and the accent or anything. All I know is with Saul laying in the hot sand, a voice came to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And to that question, Saul simply asks a question. Who are you, Lord? I want you to think for just a time out for just a second. He knew who Jehovah was. He was really in lockstep with the law of Moses. And yet in that moment, there was an acknowledgement that I don't know everything. There's something that I don't understand. And folks, can I tell you something? When you and I get in contact with the unseen world, with what we cannot see working right now, we have to acknowledge that I'm not at the top of the food chain. There is a God that is greater than I am. He knows things that I don't know. I must acknowledge that I don't know everything. Now do it nicely, but look at someone near you and say, you don't know everything. Now, some of y'all are sitting by your spouse. That's dangerous right there. When Saul came in contact with an unseen world, he had to acknowledge, first of all, that he did not know everything. But listen to me. That's not a weak place. 
That's a necessary place. Oh, come on, I need someone to listen to what this preacher's saying right now, whether you've heard me preach a thousand times or this is your first time. It's not a weak thing to say, I don't understand everything about this Jesus. I don't understand everything about this God. I don't understand everything about this Holy Spirit business. But if you and I will stay in that groove, if you and I will come to him with an acknowledgement that I don't know everything, but I want to learn, I want to know, I, it kind of piques my curiosity. There is a God that can step in in that moment and blow our minds with what he'll show us and how he'll deal with us. See, laying in that hot sand was the author of 14 books of the New Testament. Laying in that hot sand was a church planter. Laying in that hot sand was a man that would turn the world upside down. Laying in that sand was a man that would get young men around him and train them and send them out into ministry. Laying in that hot sand was a man that would walk freely out of a jail when the Lord set him free. Laying in that sand was a man who at midnight would sing praises to the Lord and the Lord would bring an earthquake and shake a prison house open so everyone's bands were loose. Laying in that sand, you think God doesn't know who you are? You're not just a nobody. You're not just to somebody. You are somebody that God can use to turn the world upside down. But Paul, Saul had to realize, I don't know everything. And I'll say it one more time, that is not a weak place. That's a necessary place. But when we peer over into the unseen world, we will also find from this passage that we must acknowledge that God does know everything. Just, just to prove this biblically, the Bible says that he knows the number of hairs that are on our head. Now, this is not hard for him with some people. Shall I point them out? <laughs> but even if you're Jason Weatherly or Chase or Pastor Nate, he knows the number of follicles they have. And if he, knows, if he knows the number of hairs on our head, he knows a lot. Now, Saul, is, is, his whole trip has been interrupted. His whole life has been interrupted. And in that reality, while he's laying in the sand, the Lord, the same God that struck him off the beast and started talking to him in the sand, is talking to a dude by the name of Ananias who's not even on location. He's in a totally different city. And to Ananias, the Lord says, I need you to arise, and I need you to go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. Now, when he said this to, to Ananias, Ananias, and I won't, I won't just have us read all this passage, but Ananias said, you got to be kidding. There is no way 
I've heard about Saul of Tarsus. Hey, voice. Did you realize he has, he has letters in his hands that are going to come persecute me and throw me in prison? And you're saying, God, you want me to go to him? And God says, yes, I want you to go to him. And by the way, here's the street. It's called Straight Street. Here's the house. It's Judas's house. Here's the man. His name is Saul. Not just any Saul, but Saul of Tarsus. And I'll tell you what he's doing when you walk in the door. He's praying. God knows what's happening. This is proof to us. If he can pinpoint to Ananias what Saul was and what Saul was doing, he knows it all. Has there been anybody in here that has ever been had your mind just blown by you see the hand of God after the fact and you saw that he really did see where you were and he really did take notice of you and he really does know your address and he really does know about your situation? Anybody in this house thankful that he really does know everything? Jesus, when speaking to his disciples in Luke chapter number 19 and verse 29, here's what Jesus said, or what the scripture says. It came to pass when he, Jesus, came near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Look at verse 32. Watch this. They're going to put this on the screen. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to him, why are you loosing the colt? They said, oh, yes, we have the answer for that, too. The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. They threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Jesus knew what was going on before they ever got there. We must acknowledge in this unseen world that we don't know everything. But I must also acknowledge that he does. Thirdly, I must also acknowledge that God is for me. Everybody say he's for me. He's not against us. Let me just, let me just. Say it like I feel to say it. God is not some big cosmic bully that is up in heaven waiting for us to mess up. Ooh, that was so good. I'm going to try that over on this side of the platform. God is not some big cosmic bully that is up in heaven with a big billy club, a heavenly billy club, that is just waiting for us. Come on. Daddy's messing up. But he loves us. And he invites us, and he draws us, and he calls us. What we feel when we come into the presence of God, when we feel a little nudge and a little uncomfortableness and a little conviction is what the old timers used to call it. When we feel, that is not God pushing us away. That is God calling us close to him. 
He's for us. He wants to help us. He wants to receive us. He wants us to come near to him. Now you're looking at a guy that has been in a lot of services that when the Spirit of the Lord started moving and the, the preacher preached, it got all up in my business. Do I have a witness in the house? I thank God for that. Just so you know, when I was 13 years old, I had just turned 13, and I got done with a Sunday night service, going to church on a Sunday night, and I slipped out. In fact, I'll just show you where it was. It wasn't here. It was in Illinois, but I'll just show you in the sanctuary it was. Scott, it was right about back where you're at, and I came down the aisle, or down the road, and I, I stood right here, and I'm just jabbering with my friends, trying to figure out where we're going to go to eat, you know, and that's always a big deal. Where you want to go? I don't know. You choose. Okay, I'll choose. No, I don't want to go there. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And unbeknownst to me, my pastor had preached that night. He came off the platform right here. And he walked down the aisle. And I'm thinking he's just going to his office, church is over, maybe greet a few people. We're going to go out to eat. And so I instinctively, when he came down the aisle, I instinctively stepped aside so my pastor could go by. And when I stepped aside, he stepped right in front of me. And I was clueless. And I'm thinking, whoo, man, I must have went to the wrong side. So I stepped to the other side. And he stepped right over with me. And I had a real quick remedial class in understanding he is in my face and he's on purpose in my face. And here's what he said to me. He, he did not start off pleasant. You know, was it Dale Carnegie wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? He skipped that book. <laughs> now, he wasn't a mean man. But he came to me, and the first thing, Karen, out of his mouth was, Tim. It's time you get baptized. Not, good evening, Tim. I appreciate you, Tim. I'm thankful for your mom and dad and your brother, your sister. No, none of that. My pastor zeroed in and said, it's time to get baptized. Why? Because he understood in prayer that I was on that fence. And I was trying to debate whether it was time to get baptized or not get baptized. And it made me realize, because that was what was going on in my real life before that Sunday night. It made me realize that I don't know everything, but God does know everything. And I had to acknowledge in that uncomfortable moment that God was for me. He was drawing me to him. He was letting my pastor get up in my business to tell me it's time to settle this issue made me mad I was frustrated I was embarrassed but all these years later I thank God for it because it let me know that he was for me it was to Ananias that the Lord spoke of this man named Saul and said Acts 19 and 9 and 15 he is a chosen vessel Unto me. So I will finish with this. 
when I was praying, even as recently as this morning, I felt the Lord nudge me. And he said, Tim, you're going to walk in to the sanctuary today. And you're going to preach to many people that you've seen before. And some that you've never seen before. But I want you to make sure you tell them this. It would amaze you if you had an idea what God wanted to do with your life. Saul, you can't see it now. But there are people in Philippi who are crying out for direction in their life. Saul, you can't see this now, but there's people in the region of Galatia that are hungry for a change in their life. And if you will respond correctly to this unseen world, it will marvel you with what God will do through your life. See, the issue too often in my life, and perhaps I'm not alone in this, is we get so fixated on what we can see in the here and the now, but there is a preacher standing in front of this congregation saying, if we could ever see into an unseen world and see the plan God has for us, it would amaze us. That tells me we're here on purpose. We're all here in the plan of God, and he's reaching for us today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment. Not yet, but in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And I'm going to ask, I'm humbly asking this. I'm never going to keep anybody here. So if you decide to leave, I'm not going to hunt you down. I won't feel bad at you. But I'm going to ask if just for a few moments we would not move in and out when we stand. Because I believe the Lord in prayer would want to do something in our midst before we leave that seals what he has said through his word today. So I simply make that ask. Would you stand with me, please? So I grew up going to church. These kind of services are not foreign to me. I've been in them all my life. And one of the characters that I was taught when I was a kid was an interesting guy in the Bible named Jonah. And suffice it to say, God spoke to him and said, go to a city called Nineveh and preach to them. And just like Ananias, Jonah had a repulsive response to the word from God. What? Nineveh? I've heard about Nineveh. They're, they're cruel. I've heard what they do to people that they don't agree with. I won't even take the liberty over this pulpit to tell you that some of the stuff that I've read about Nineveh. Atrocities. Horrible cruelty. 
So no wonder Jonah, sometimes Jonah gets a bad rap, but no wonder Jonah was just a wee little bit intimidated to go to Nineveh. And so he decided, I'm going I'm to outsmart the Lord and I'm going to get on a ship going in the opposite direction. So he does. He jumps on a ship. And if this is God's word, we're going that way. Can I say it like this? If this is the church, we're sailing that way. If this is God's intended purpose for me, I'm going that way. Polar opposite way. Now, if you've ever gone to Sunday school, you've heard this story. Those of you that have not, I will just give you the cliff note version. He's on the ship, headed in the wrong direction from God's word. Storms brewing, waves are crashing, lightnings flashing. And all the while, Jonah's going, I knew it. I know why this is happening. All the storm, everybody's freaking out. They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to save the ship. They're saying to Jonah, call on your God. We're calling on our God. Maybe our, our gods will hear us, save us. Jonah's going, it, it's useless. I know why the storm is brewing. Heaven is upset because I did not go after what God said to do. But I'll tell you what you can do. Here's how to take care of this. Take me, throw me overboard. And if you'll do that, the storm will abate. I mean, so now let's add murder on top of this. Let's take a bad scenario and now add murder on top of this. You mean to tell me if we throw you overboard, the storm's going to cease? Yes, trust me. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. So I don't know how long he had to talk to him. But they grabbed one. I mean, can you see four guys, one on each limb? Forgive us, God. You talk about a TikTok moment. When that body hits that water. I mean, wow. Well, the story's not over for Jonah. Now Jonah's under the water. He's gobbled up by a great fish that the Bible says the Lord. I don't have time to preach this. The Bible says the Lord prepared a great fish. But I'll preach it for three seconds here. <laughs> when that fish was born, it had a purpose way beyond swimming. Get big, grow. How big you want me to grow? I want you to grow enough that a man can fit in your belly. And he prepared a great fish. The fish swallowed up Jonah. Jonah is three days and three nights. I mean, it's out of a movie set somewhere. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. He's crying. He's repenting. I got, I got it now. I get it. Forgive me. The fish vomits him up on the shore. There's another TikTok moment right there. Vomits him up on the shore. And the Bible says he goes to Nineveh. Watch this. Watch this. 
you don't think God knows what he's doing. The Bible says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. That means you could start on one side of Nineveh and it would take you three days to get to the other side of Nineveh. Watch, this hit me. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Even the king of Nineveh humbled himself and all those around him. And he said, who can tell if God will turn away from his fierce anger that we will not perish? Listen. That all happened on his first day walking through Nineveh. That tells me that while the disobedient man of God was in the belly of the fish, God in the unseen world was working on Nineveh over here. While Jonah was getting seaweed out of his hair and being spit up on the shore and getting ready to finally walk back to Nineveh. God was ahead of him in the unseen world and he was convicting people in Nineveh of their sins so that when the preacher finally showed up, there would be a mass repentance. Listen to this preacher, please. There is an unseen world. We don't know everything. God does know everything. And he's simply calling on us to trust him and step toward him. Praise God. I feel like we need to just pray and talk to Jesus here for just a minute. For those of you that would like, I'd like you just to lift up your voice and say, Jesus, I'm hearing what you're saying to me today. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Lord calling for some people. I feel the Lord calling for some young men right now, some young ladies in the unseen world. What we cannot see. We can see what's in front of us. We have plans for this week. We see things that are all planned out for us. We see our belief. We see our, our structure. We see our reality. But can I tell you, there's an unseen world that God wants to give us access to that goes far beyond what we could ever understand. He has it for you, sir. Ma'am, he has it for you today. If he did it for Saul, if he did it for that apostle, if he did it for that man, he can do it for you. If he gave Jonah a second chance, he can give us a second chance. It's an unseen world that we can trust today. That we can trust today. I want to invite us, those, of, and you don't have to be a member of this church to respond right now. We like to finish services by praying together around the front of this sanctuary. It just symbolizes to the Lord that we're hungry for him and we want his direction in our life. You don't have to be a member. If you're a guest, you're welcome to join us right now. Nobody's going to do anything strange to you or weird to you. We're just coming to pray together one more time before we leave this house. Would you step out right now? 
Come from the risers. Come from every section around this sanctuary right now. Young people, I want you to become convinced of this, that there's an unseen world, that if we will sell out to this God, he will direct us. He'll direct us. He will order our steps. There are many witnesses in this room right now of what I'm preaching right now. Come on, when we think about how God brought us here today, when we think about what has God, God has done for the last three or four years in our life, how he's ordered our steps, makes me thankful today. It makes me thankful for an unseen world. It makes me thankful for an unseen world. Come on, Nathaniel, I saw you. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you when nobody else could see you. I saw things in you that you didn't even see in yourself. I saw you, Nathaniel. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord right now. Let's reach out to the Lord Jesus right now. God, I'm open, I'm willing, I'm available. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, what's the Lord speaking to you today? What's the Lord saying to you today? What's that step that God's challenging you with? Come on, Tim, what's, what's God speaking to you, Tim? What's God challenging you with today? How can I trust him more? Not just simply look at the here and the now, the present world, the seen world, but trust in that unseen world that he is Lord and Savior over. Help us right now, God. Speak in this room right now. Seal something through the power of your spirit in this room right now in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Do it, God, as only you can, Lord. Do it only as you can, Lord. Let us get a glimpse of what you see about our lives, Lord. Thank you that you accept us, Lord. Thank you that you draw us near to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are your child. You created us, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. How you walk with me, how you talk with me, Lord. Oh, how you talk with me. Oh, sing it out. Sing it out, church. Come on. We cry out to you, Lord. We cry out to you, Lord. We're never alone when we're with you, Lord. Oh, yes, we're never alone when we're with you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You know my name. Sing it now. Oh, how you walk with me. How you walk with me. Oh, how you talk with me. How you talk with me. Oh, I'm your own, Lord. I am your own. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes. You know my name. You know my name. You know my name. Hallelujah. Daddy, I want you to join me up here if you would. The last thing I would ever want to do is set the Gaddies up as like the epitome of everything I ever preach because we're just flesh like everybody else is. This is a great gal and 
we've been married for almost 28 years now. No, a little over 28 years, right? Over. Would you strike that from the live stream? She's from Canada. And in 1990 and 91, she started doing some research about Bible colleges. And she applied to a college in Indiana. And I have to make sure now. <laughs> and she wanted to go to the school in Indiana. And really at the last minute of enrollment, like when it was getting too late to change your mind, those of you that are seniors and those of you freshmen in college, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's like this cutoff time. It's like you got to make a decision. She gets a letter. This is way back in the letter days before emails. She gets a letter that the school in Indiana would not take foreign students and allow them to work on campus. And that was the only way she was going to be able to afford that education. So on the fly, she said, I'm going to just apply to a school in California. And she did. And she got a letter back. We do have a foreign student work program. You can come and you can work here at the college. So I had been a student for three years at that time. So I'm a senior. She's a freshman. I walk in, I was student body president, and I walked into the student center office one morning, and this cute Canadian girl had shown up on campus. And I didn't let on, but inside I'm going, hey, 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 you, you know how that is? <laughs> Some of y'all act like you never, oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And... Uh, I remember when I got to the point where I wanted to express to her that I liked her, and so I kind of sent word through another gal, and she told Stacy, and then I got word that Stacy kind of liked me, and so that's always a good thing, you know, mutual admiration. And we dated, and we broke up, and we dated, and we broke up. And uh, I just got to get this out. I just got to get, get, it, get it up. We eventually got married, and um, in my senior year, Brother Odell, wave at me right here. Brother Odell, right back here, was one of my professors in college, and he traveled to Arkansas, and he was representing the college trying to get more students, and one of the pastors he talked to was a man by the name of James Lumpkin, who pastors down in Little Rock. I didn't know this. I'm just studying at school. But Brother Lumpkin said to Brother Odell, hey, if you ever find any young man that wants to be a youth pastor, send him my way. So that man right there, Danny Odell, came back to California and said, hey, you need to go preach for Brother Lumpkin. He never said anything about a youth pastor thing. He said, you need to go preach. I went and preached for Brother Lumpkin. He offered to have me stay on as the youth pastor at the church. I stayed on for seven years as a youth pastor. I got married to this girl. Here we are all these years later, a girl from Canada, a guy from Chicago, met in California and moved to the South. Now listen, I saw None of that. You say, oh, no, you're a preacher. You... No, I didn't. I can take you to a couch when I'm bawling my eyes out because I don't know what to do about after high school. And yet that set of parents right there and that pastor that I had said, Tim, if you'll just put him first 
And if you will trust, listen to me, if you will trust that there are things that you do not see that God does see, if you'll put your life in his hand, he will work out the details. Listen to me. I'm going to let you go. But I feel it so strong in my spirit today. There is an unseen world that we can trust God for. We can trust him. God, I've done my best today to pour out what you said to pour out. I give you this great group of people, God. They are your children. Every guest, every member, every person that's here today, God, is here on purpose. I, I place them in your hands. And I pray you would let each of us begin to trust you more. That there's an unseen world that we don't see, but you have it in mind. And you will take us there, Lord, if we will acknowledge we don't know everything but you do, God. Keep us close to you. Thank you that you saw us when we didn't know you saw us, Lord. And you drew us when we didn't know you were drawing us. Let us trust you as we leave this house. In Jesus' name, amen. And the church said amen. I hope before you leave, you'll find about seven or eight people and hug their neck, shake their hand, fist bump them, do something. Tell them you're happy they came to church today. Would you do that? Amen. May the Lord bless you richly. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Small groups are this Wednesday. It's a great place to connect. Check out our website for that. It's a great place to connect.